Hey, this is The Hard Truth with Tony Schaefer, powered by Six Hour Never Settle. I don't, you shouldn't. I had a choice of what I carried in combat. I carried the best, and that's Six Hour. As a matter of fact, today, for those who are watching, I'm actually featuring my M11, my M11A1, which I've added a few things to. The M11 is what I carried in combat. I still carry as a, as a concealed carry weapon on a, on a periodic basis. Highly recommend Six Hour. I... I can't imagine carrying anything else at this point in time. And uh, we are on the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network, also available on the America Out Loud Podcast Network. Check us out. Project Sentinel, projectsentinel.net, and London Center for Policy Research, londoncenter.org. We're on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Rumble, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so uh, today, for this episode of The Hard Truth, we're being joined by General, General uh, Blaine Holt. My friend Blaine. So General Holt was a graduate of the University of Georgia in 1988. He was commissioned and, and uh, designated as a distinguished graduate of the Georgia's, uh, University of Georgia's Air Force Reserve Officer Training Course, ROTC. Uh, General Holt uh, is a command pilot with more than 3,900 flying hours in a variety of aircraft. And uh, he flew one of my favorite aircraft, the C-17, which uh, I still have a, a, an amazing memory of the longest flight I've ever taken from Bagram Air Force Base to Davis Month in Tucson Air Force Base in, in Arizona, uh, 21 hours in, in air with two mid-air refuelings, amazing aircraft. He's a, uh, he actually uh, did a dissertation written and defended in Dutch. Dutch, wow. With a distinct, and he was awarded with distinction honor at the Royal Sup Superior College of Defense in Brussels. I hope he got some sprouts with that. He has also published a variety of papers, still does a lot of editorials, which I've actually partnered with him on a couple, which I'm always honored to do. Brigadier General Holt also served as a deputy under a deputy United States military representative to North Atlantic Treaty Organization, NATO, and supported the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, which I've supported a couple myself. He's a, a fellow Newsmax contributor, an all-around good egg. Uh, General Holt, welcome to The Hard Truth. It is great to be with you. Thanks for the uh, run-up there. And uh, to match your opening words, <laughs> my everyday carry is also a Sig Sauer. It is the P365, and I absolutely ah. adore that gun. <laughs> I do, too. And I, that's my other thing. When I'm wearing shorts, that's what I put in my, my pocket. So uh, I, we can all agree on Sig. So, um, well, here we are. I... Um, I, I always I enjoy our conversations and just for everybody to know I I, I admire this general I mean I, I I there's a lot of generals I just don't get along with as if people don't know that and uh, Blaine is one of them I, I'm very proud of the fact that he's he's like the guy that goes goes out and actually does things he's like uh, he's like the guy that actually leads from the front which is a rare thing these days and and I uh, He's been, done some spooky things. Just saying, uh, spooky things are always good in my books. And uh, the uh, the one thing, Blaine, I wanted people to understand is when they see you on TV and talking about all this. One of the reasons I think you get picked to, to talk about this is because uh, those of us who actually are practitioners of our chosen professional focus, I think retain knowledge that is unique to those who actually serve in the field. That frankly, staff officers just don't have. Would you agree with that assessment? Oh, I couldn't agree more. I The way I kind of describe this to younger officers or those aspiring to a military uh, life is that 
you're going to find, and I think the army, the army does a great job by giving you this book called a gathering of Eagles and me, the unwashed air force guy, I grabbed <laughs> this book and I read it all thousand, I think 1100 pages of it. But the, um, there's two kind of classes in our military. And one is what I would call the, the, the political class or the, the cocktail party class. You're, your classic. I, I haven't been in the field to do these things. I haven't led people in the field, yeah. um, but they're out there fighting for the budget. They're out there fighting for the, you know, and, and doing the knife fights in DC of which you and I both have had some exposure to, but, oh, yeah. but honestly, your bona fides come from the other class, which is what I would call the warrior class, the profession of arms, a warrior's ethos and mindset. And, um, and then, you know, this also drives a professional conscience in you when you have led you know, enlisted and young officers in combat uh, or in combat situations, uh, it it weighs on you in your senior years because there's a great honesty in having been with those folks um, as you go into the higher ranks. And then, and then, you know, coming back to basics, coming back to the common sense that we would find in the field. When, when, when there is no rank, you really have this that's just stupid. We're not doing that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you've got to lead back into that. And uh, I, you know, I've adored that experience out there with the crews and then flying folks like yourselves wherever they needed to go. And, and like you, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you've had the privilege of, of being uh, in the room with a lot of senior officers. And one of those who I am very proud of having been chewed out by is General Joe Dunn for the chairman of the Joint Chiefs. It's not every day that I can brag about the fact that I was, my ass was royally chewed by the chairman and it turned out I was right. And he was wrong. Just saying, not, not that I keep count of these things or anything, but, you know, just saying. but I've been I through think... the mill with a few four stars. I can tell you that <laughs> in fact, there's very few four stars I've known or worked with or worked for that didn't have, uh, I didn't have that wonderful, um, up close personal moment. Oh yeah. But, uh, but so... to their credit, um, they kept me alive and well. And exactly. And, and, and I, and I learned from the experience on how to approach dissent situations with such such big animals <laughs> <laughs> discretion is indeed the better part of valor often so I, it's a hard lesson i've still still working on learning but anyway here we are again to talk about the things you and i talk about every day but for the, my radio audience and let's start with something that is a bit off the beaten path for military folks but one that's in the headlines every day which is the debt ceiling so, deep, deep breath. There has been no link between taxation and the appropriation of dollars and the budgetary process for at least 50 years. Blaine, I don't understand how we allow the politicians and the media to lie constantly about the budget. When they talk about quotes, cuts, quote unquote cuts, they're, first off, they're, they're basically printing money to fill the coffers of those in governance who have to pay these bills, which uh, obviously the big fight recently was about the fact, gee, maybe we shouldn't be running up so many bills that are putting us into debt. But can you talk a bit, little bit uh, to the audience about the, the fact that this is all funny money? Nothing that you and I pay in taxes actually does anything to fund the government at this point. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to spend trillions of dollars and really you're spending money that if in a world where we were actually going to pay this funny money back. Yeah. It's actually my great, great, great grandchild that be on the hook for what they're spending today. And exactly. what do you need my money for? Then why do you need my money? Because it seems to me in a down economy uh, that 
Americans need their money and their own resources more than ever. And yet what we find is, is this very cavalier ruling class of both sides of the aisle in D.C. Um, absolutely just disrespecting us every single day and writing checks into oblivion and printing money into oblivion. And most of the money is going to non-working parts of our economy. So whether right. it's illegal aliens, um, unlimited wars, um, uh, you know, studying the mating philosophies of the um, llama, whatever it is, it's more than disrespectful to us. And there's a there's two constitutional elements that weigh on me here. They're very important. One, you just hit it right at the beginning of the question, which is Article One, Section Eight. It's the Congress that's supposed to raise the funds and the resources and to plan for the budget. Um, it doesn't say anything about K Street. It doesn't say anything about an overbearing administration that's extorting and blackmailing them. It doesn't say that. Right. The other one is the precarious 16th Amendment, which allows for a progressive income tax system, which you know historians will tell you came in in a very, uh, let's just say, eyebrow-raising way in terms of how they followed the Constitution to make that amendment happen. But but okay, here we are. We have we have the Sixteenth Amendment. Is it still constitutional if we're not truly represented uh, in taxation? And I would argue that we're not anymore. Well, that's part of the issue, as far as I'm concerned, is that so many things are paid for by the federal government. Where I just don't understand the authority. Maybe you can answer my question. So, Blaine, where is it in the Constitution that says the federal government can be the sole provider of student loans to people who want to go to college? Is there a, is there a limit on this? No, um, actually, I I've mean, been through it a few times. I go through it pretty routinely, <laughs> and there's actually nothing about that in there. There's actually nothing about that in there on subsidizing uh, uh, solar. There's nothing in yeah. there about EVs. Uh, there is something in there about our national security, which yes. I would argue economic security is national security. And Absolutely. if you print our dollar into oblivion and send most of them overseas and along with American jobs to the Chinese. And by the way, there's going to be a story that's embargoed right now, but it'll it's going to come out later on uh, that um, uh, our taxpaying dollars have been going to China for quite some time now. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so we then have to go, listen, is this just business as usual? And this is just av every... Uh, average uh, right versus left politics, I would argue it's not. I would yeah. say that we're at a point of inflection here where we have actually broken it. We've broken the proposition. The Constitution is not being adhered to by the feds. They're in breach. If that's the case, I would ask everyone, then doesn't that make the 10th Amendment supreme to the Supremacy Clause and it, the Interstate Commerce Clause? Exactly. I would argue it does. I, exactly. No, I think most of our audience will probably agree with you on that very point. And I, we've been tr trying to push concepts relating to the Tenth Amendment a lot lately by the fact that I think the states are going to be that thing which is necessary to save the republic. Uh, and and uh, we could go through a whole show on just the Tenth Amendment, but at this point, I still want to focus more on the taxation issue and and how this goes about happening. So I'd like to expand a little bit regarding the, the train of thought we started down regarding what the federal government can and cannot do regarding the contrast to the Tenth Amendment. Mm -hmm. The Constitution, Blaine, to me, is very clear that if it if it's not clearly stated, enumerated in the Constitution, it's left to the states. And one of the things I was listening to today, I always listen to NPR when I'm dropping my son off to school so I can just like roll my eyes. Oh, I'm constantly. so sorry. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, my God. So. One of the things they were bemoaning in the current budget discussions is, oh, my God, there may be a slowing down of, of money going to 
federal funding for finding solutions to the homeless. Like that's not the federal government's job as much as right. I feel terrible about it. Right. There's two other jurisdictions between the federal government and the homeless, and that is the city or county, if you're in a county, and the state. So, uh, again, how how is it that we've allowed a, a – can you think about this? Like the federal government is now that which is trying to determine solutions for people living in the street. I mean, this is like saying that you're, you're going to be the guy sitting in, in Manhattan in a big uh, – in a big uh, uh, penthouse, telling a guy in the kitchen how to put the cheese on us on a on a on a, uh, a falafel. I mean, what what the heck's going on here with this? You know, I it's, don't get it. It's absolute creep. You know, this is this is really the issue of our our lives. The 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 expansion of the federal government has created these fiefdoms. You know, Eisenhower war, war warned us about the military-industrial complex swallowing us up, and he yeah. he he had it about a seventeenth right, meaning there's industrial complexes all over D.C. now that support this behemoth. And what have they done? Whether it's housing, education, um, uh, health, and human services, homeland security, they have in every case taken away our resources, taken away our power as states and what should rightly be in states domain. And they have built these incredible empires that are monopolistic and they do one thing, they subtract your wealth, they subtract your freedoms and they're unconstitutional to boot. So this is where we get the concept of what the deep state really is and what we see happening at this point of inflection, which I would argue we're at a unique point in American history is they're now lawyering up. They're now looking at Congress saying, we're more powerful than you. We don't have to pay attention to you. Heck, if you right. send us a subpoena, we're not even going to show up, uh, <laughs> Director Ray. And and it goes on and on and on. But, but just like a monopoly you know, gets too big and we have to knock it down with antitrust, which we should be doing in a lot of places, our government, 40% bigger than it was pre-COVID, is now too big and must be cut down to size. I'm going to talk about more about that in the military in just a second. And yep. and just to reiterate what Blaine is saying here, I mean, I, I literally, uh, I have spoken to two former attorney generals literally uh, about this issue over the past 24 hours. So what Blaine is talking about, a lot of folks uh, who are conscientious understand what a grave and deadly threat the federal government deciding it's going to go rogue really is. And uh, the, 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 um, the Durham report, as far as I'm concerned, is just the tip of the iceberg and, and there's all sorts of things. And again, Blaine, that's, a, that's probably for another show. Cause I want to continue to push us towards the economic issues and how uh, so much of our own choices, not you and I, but the choices of our federal government and policies regarding China, China mm-hmm. uh, has really resulted in this, uh, grave uh, insecurity created by giving wealth to China. So we've already kind of determined the federal government is, uh, you know, probably not a good steward of of economic investment and authorities have been abused. But one of the things which I think is most disconcerting is the fact that one of our, our challengers, I'll be polite, mm-hmm. uh, is arming up based on the economic wealth and well-being we're giving him, that is the PRC, CCP. And uh, you and I have talked about this off the year. I've met, I was uh, Mark Milley's guy on the transition team when Mark, when we, when Trump won. And I spent an hour with Mark in his office where half of it was spent him telling me 
what an existential threat China was, where he'd actually confronted Chinese generals and said, I've read your doctrine and I interpret your doctrine saying that you're going to, you basically want to take over the Pacific Rim. And these generals saying to his face, oh yeah, that's what we plan on doing. But Blaine, with that said then, nobody seems to be accepting that China is a threat. China says it in their doctrine. They've got a 30-year plan that they're well on the way of executing. Uh, People like Mark Melly acknowledge it, yet somehow we continue to cooperate with them. We continue to enrich them. How, how, how is it we haven't got the memo that the Chinese need to be dealt with and they're going to continue to do things to undermine our economy? Yeah, well, it's our fault. China, it is our fault. Yeah. Since, since the opening in 1978, our, um, our look the other way policy with China is now catching up with us finally. But but it's an industry unto itself. Too many people make too much money off of the off of China with the dreams of making even billions more as yeah. they try to do some sort of industrialization of China. And now China is going to suddenly supplant the United States as the biggest consumer markets. This is why every policy you saw, um, all of the favors done for Wall Street, all of the K Street work, all about China. And um, the Chinese have been very clear especially Xi Jinping. He has no interest in uh, China's economic development. He has no interest in anything other than world domination as Mao had seen it. And he's going to out Mao Mao. And and where we're at now is the corruption that is entangled between DC and China has to be identified, spotlighted, cut in half. And and we have to, we the people have to go in to uh, redefine the relationship with China, meaning Wall Street, sorry, you make a lot of money there. We're going to decouple. And here's the cool part. China's falling down under Xi Jinping's policies anyway. Yeah. Um, uh, you'll see these uh, uh, guys like Ray Dalio get on TV and say, oh, we've all got to invest in China. They're straightened out now from COVID that they created. And mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, so we've all got to get money back in there. And it's like, no, we don't. We absolutely are not required to do that. You're wanting to save your own money by taking our money and putting it in there. What we need to do is decouple reinitiate and reinvigorate American industry, domesticate and secure our own supply chains. And then we need to um, start to husband our resources, not be in everybody's stupid little war, Um, start to redefine our foreign policy and redefine the Chinese relationship, starting with the murder they commit every year with fentanyl in their alliance with the cartels, 100,000 plus people per year dying at the hands of the Chinese. And yet you have DC defending China. So at that point, let's walk through the three points, because I know we could talk about just the Chinese issue, but I want to go through several other things before we end our interview. Uh, first thing on the fentanyl issue, it, it is truly a weapon of mass destruction. There's not a single community that I know of that's not been touched in some form by fentanyl. And, and, and as the audience knows, I still serve as a member of law enforcement in Virginia. I advise Sheriff Dave Decatur in Stafford County as his Homeland Security Advisor, which keeps me in the loop on things. And... Um, Again, to, to Blaine's point, no one seems to be recognizing that this is something that's designed to destabilize the very fabric of our of our civilization. Next, as Blaine talked about, Wall Street and all the investment, all these uh, dollars going into China, Apple and others making huge investments, which frankly could have been made in a third country, if not the United States, continue to enrich them. And lastly, most importantly, is the political class, dare I say, Hunter Biden, making billion dollar bills, uh, deals with Chinese companies. So in essence, uh, Blaine, 
what we just talked about, what you went through, and I listed a few things, these are all elements that the Chinese see as uh, as part of their total war mentality. That is to say that they've decided that we are uh, their existential threat to their desires, their goals. And therefore, they're engaged in uh, forms of warfare across the board that we're just ignoring. Is it? Would that be an accurate representation? Uh, yes, absolutely an accurate representation. You know, if if folks will go get the free book that maps out their entire plan, it's online. It's called Unrestricted Warfare, published yep. in 1999. Yep. They've been at war with us for a very long time now. We just refuse to acknowledge it like most things. And what this means is um, if China floats a balloon over our country to humiliate it, <laughs> is that at war? If China um, <sighs> sends all these people over our border, are we at war? Um, if they're going to try to de-dollarize the world by um, changing the diplomatic landscape, if they compromise an administration, this is the warfare they prefer. They have a paper tiger military. Their, their actual conventional forces, not that impressive. Yeah. Um, but what they're doing in hybrid warfare, the ability to hit us in a cyber sense, the ability to hit us from space with EMP weapons, that stuff's, that stuff's attention getting. And yet, we continue to dance with this dragon uh, that would swallow us up. And you could say, you know, there are people that would say, well, you're just a xenophobe against the Chinese. Oh, really? Well, I have a Chinese sister. And um, as a little kid, I lived in Hong Kong. So I wouldn't put up with that line of talk for very long. And I've done track two diplomacy with the Chinese. And to your point, they're very open and clear with what their designs are. Exactly. So when we purchase 300,000 acres of your farmland, we consider that to be China not the United States. You go try to buy one teaspoon of soil as an American in China and see how that works out for you. And before we say that carbon is going to be the be all and the end all of our existence, then why is the world tolerating seven new coal burning plants going up in China tomorrow? And they're already the leading uh, offenders, but yet no one to hold them to account. And why? Because of the money and the corruption. Uh, well, look, I mean, the idea that we provide them so many resources for our green economy is insane. And I'd like to come have you come back and talk about that because that is something near and dear since I actually am a credentialed expert in environmental studies since I got a degree. And I, I something I don't think the American people fully understand how completely insane that is. But let's stick with the military path that we're going down right now. Mm -hmm. So, Blaine, let me ask you a question here. I, this is, Let me give you some stats first. During World War II, we had approximately... 12.2 million uh, men and women in uniform with uh, uh, with seven four-star generals uh, to oversee and lead that. Uh, today, we have 1.1 million uh, men and women in uniform, and we have 44 four-star generals. Are you guys like rabbits? Do you like multiply and not recognize uh, the need to, 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 to self uh, uh what the heck's going on? I mean, how did this happen? How, and so it's like the rest of the deep state creep and grow, creep and grow. We have um, we have far too many generals on active guard reserve duty. It's just yeah. it, it's it's insane. Too many chiefs, not enough Indians and not enough warriors and not enough who understand that 
it's pretty easy to get into a war. You know, you and I have both been to staff colleges. They spend a lot of time training you on how to build up a force, get it to the fight. That's right. Right fight. before I deployed to Afghanistan, they taught me all about yeah. airland battle. That was super useful, by the way. Just but saying. what's missing in the course is how does victory work? What's the yeah. end state look like? How do you close it off? How do we right. husband our resources while we do this? And how do we take care of our forces after they come home and they're all broken? That's the part we need to stress. Oh, yeah. So and and, at this point, one of the things I wanted to emphasize here is we start looking at this is that there's these military, you know, China, I think, is to the point of where it's so arrogant Mm -hmm. that it really thinks that they could engage in military operations with very few consequences. First off, that means we haven't done our job as deterrent to deterrent. They just made the announcement over the weekend, uh, Blaine, at the time we're taping this uh, about being able to take out the our aircraft carriers. They, they did this big thing about doing a simulation of the Gobi Desert. Let me tell you, I've war- it's like uh, Gobi Desert is not uh, the <laughs> Pacific Ocean, just saying. Right. And uh, hitting something uh, in the Pacific Ocean where you have multiple uh, venues and vectors is not the same as, as running an aircraft carrier, something the size of an aircraft carrier on a train track in the middle of the desert. So I, I, I think they may want to, you know, curb their enthusiasm about what they think they can do. With that said, I don't think we've done our job of deterrence if they really no. start thinking military options at this point. They they don't respect us right now. No. They don't respect us. They they and we have never never had a weaker foreign policy team or national security team than the one impaneled right now. Right. Um, and and so they the Chinese the dangers I see is one they believe that they could now take us and two they believe there'll never be a better time to do so. Exactly. And and that's my concern. So between uh, population funnels, I guess they're going to come, they're going to start having an aging population, which means if they're going to do combat operations, they have to have people in, in wheelchairs, which, you know, maybe work. I don't know. I don't think it's, uh, <laughs> it may happen. I don't know. But the idea here is that they're, uh, the essence of their best bet regarding military operations is, is soon, if right. not now, because they've got to have a certain number of, of youthful folks a certain number of opportunities. And to your point, Blaine, the idea that if we, if they can engage us, uh, they can take our aircraft carriers out, which I'm still skeptical about, and that we will have uh, an ineffective leadership to respond. And so far, looking at Ukraine, our leadership's been completely ineffective, ineffectual. So we're going to be winding this down. But uh, it seems to me, Blaine, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but our failure in Afghanistan, the serial failures in, in Ukraine, I think it, it. I think the Chinese are thinking they can take us at this point. What do you think? I, I completely agree with you. And to broaden that out just a little bit, they're not the only ones who believe that. Yeah. Um, the the Iranians, the North Koreans, the Russians. If you look at their actions globally right now, they speak volumes to their disrespect of the United States and any type of deterrence that we have impaneled. And so, what what I would do if I was an, an American sitting at home listening to this and going, "Oh my gosh, what should I do?" melt the switchboard of your elected representatives because we are on a path to World War III, I believe. That's my per- privately held opinion. Um, but the cocktail and the mix is right. And if you look at the ramp up to World War One, World War Two, it's not very different, folks. Um, so so we have to be very vigilant and we have to identify and, and, and call balls and strikes on these things. A quick note, uh, Blaine and I are working hard with like-membered folks trying to examine options relating to the full spectrum of warfare we have to engage in. And, and Blaine, I, I, I deeply appreciate your, your friendship and mentorship in, in this area. As, as you know, I think it's uh, far too few folks understand that, that, that we're essentially in uh, 
those preconditions either of World War One, World War Two, depending, uh, maybe a little bit of both based on that. So uh, God bless you, Blaine. Thank you for being here today. Uh, I appreciate you joining us in the hard truth. I'd like to have you come back and talk more about the green energy fantasy or religion, depending on one's perspective of what the left looks at it as. But thanks for being on The Hard Truth. Thank you. It's always my pleasure to be with you, Tony. And I look forward to the next time. Thank your audience as well. Thank you. And that's it. We're going to wrap it up for now. Uh, We're halfway and we'll be back for the second half of The Hard Truth very soon. Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution, Cofix RX. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Did you know that doctors and nurses have been swabbing their noses with povidone iodine to protect from airborne threats like colds, flus, and pandemic era strains for decades? Cofix RX took that idea and made a more complete nasal formula with lasting cleansing effects. Maybe you're traveling soon or going to an event. Are you concerned somebody nearby might be sick? Maybe the office or classroom stresses you out. Get yourself a bottle of Cofix RX nasal solution. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a Cofix RX nasal solution cleanse. That's cofixrx.com. Save 20% by using promo code out loud at cofixrx.com. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Be a part of a revolutionary new healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interests of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe, air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. Trouble concentrating or recalling information is frustrating, embarrassing, and kills productivity. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Focus and Recall to boost your brain power. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Focus and Recall is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients to help you immediately sharpen focus, concentrate longer, and strengthen recall. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code out loud. AmericaOutloud.com. If you can't find it here, you can't find it anywhere. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought. Working hard to earn your trust for seven incredible years and counting. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all.
Hey, this is the Hard Truth of Tony Schaefer, part two, powered by Six Tower Never Settle. Uh, I never did. I never do. I always carry a SIG. A SIG is what I carry to combat. You ought to carry a SIG anytime you have any need to protect yourself. So Six Hour Never Settle. We are on the America Out Loud talk radio network and the America Out Loud podcast network. Check us out. Project Sentinel, projectsentinel.net, London Center, LondonCenter.org, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Rumble, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm joined by the rest of the team by the perspectuous Chris. That's actually a word, believe it or not. The is con- it? The, it is. Can the you con- spell that? P-E-R-S-P-I-C-U-T-I-O-U-S. Nice one. Okay. Perspectuous. Better than bubble-headed booby. That's right. And then the concomitant Tanya Miller from Hawaii and the neophobic Elizabeth. I'm a what? <laughs> Neo, neophobic. That's a neophobic. We want to come up with our own interest. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, that might be a good idea. <laughs> wow. I'm but always we, curious to hear which words. one is going to come what up What new woke these, words are these? Are all yeah, he's got a thesaurus out. Yeah. Yeah, so right. I'm afraid of new things? Okay. That's right. That's right. <laughs> See, she, she got it. That's right. That sounds like a, one of those woke words or something like that. Thing. You're afraid of xenos and things like that. Xenophobia. Adding phobic to anything. <laughs> right. Well, well no, I mean, it's, you know, you can debate. No, that's funny. I learned something new. See, exactly. Yeah, I too. See? But I can figure it out at least because I'm the grammar nerd. This you know, is what you want to see. This show is not only entertaining, it's educational. Right. It is. It's like, this is, this is like Mr. Rogers' neighborhood with, real, with, uh, with people with attitude. <laughs> and not as nice sweaters, but we'll work with that. That's right. It's a it's a wonderful day in the neighborhood. Can Ew, you see concomitant? I'm sure you can, kids. Okay. <laughs> it sounds like Paul Lynn trying to do. Uh... Well, that would have been interesting. Paul Lynn as now that's a concept for a show. Paul Lynn as Mr. Rogers. Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great cool. show concept. Uh, so. He did. He did a lot yeah, of like cartoon Reagan. voices, so that, that would have been familiar to all <laughs> the kids. It would have been fun. But, all right, so here we are, part two of uh, the the hard truth, and we had a lot of hard truth with uh, my friend, friend Blaine Holt, General Holt. So, mm-hmm. uh, General Holt is a, a unique uh, general, uh, one that actually has the benefit of field experience, like we talked about. So, what did you all? take away most from our discussion regarding the spectrum of issues relating to the economy, how the economy, especially our relationship with China is something that we need to be, need to be paying attention to. So let's start with Elizabeth. Um, everything he was saying was, was spot on. And you know, it's, it's funny when, when he's referring, you're both referring to um, article one, section eight, the 16th amendment. Yeah. Um, every time I'm listening to that, or even like when I'm, um, uh, listening to the news, I immediately grab <laughs> this yeah, and I'll refer back to it. And sure enough, I had that. I had section eight uh, circled. So it's funny. I always like to have my reference because you all have a way better memory for those kind of things than I do. <laughs> but yeah, that makes perfect sense. So the whole economy and the thing with China, I um, I think he made such a good, you both made a really good point that a lot of people who, um, once again, it comes back, at least I think it comes back to who you vote for. And um, and if your congressmen and your senators are not doing what you want them to do, you need to call them. And like he was saying, your the um, their switchboards should be on fire. Yeah, call them and let them know. 
let them know to to vote no on the 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 debt ceiling compromise, which is not really a compromise when you yeah, when there's you, no compromise there. Yeah, there's no compromise there when um, uh, Kevin McCarthy's talking about oh, well, I think we came to a good agreement. It's like no, no, you didn't. <laughs> um, but anyway, so yeah, the whole economy thing. Don't want to get off track, but yeah, I mean, we have to be calling uh, the people who represent us to remind us to remind them that. They do represent us and they need to do the right thing. We need to really make our voices be heard. And I think to to hit, to expand Elizabeth's point, the whole debt discussion is basically if you're, if you're running a household, say, you know, you, you basically have a household that costs you a hundred thousand dollars a year to run and and you're only making like $40,000. So you're having to borrow. Yeah. You get some income again. You got 40,000 a year, but you've got to find that 60 somewhere else. So, Basically, you're able to go to the bank and the bank writes you checks, you know, and then you you get to your debt limit and, and you call the bank and say, hey, I'm about to hit my limit. Can I have more? And the answer always is, yeah, sure. Go ahead. You know, why do I care? That's how dangerous this is, because essentially we're seeing I, I don't know if people understand how, what a, how much money a trillion dollars is. And they want to add four. Tri- no matter how you cut it, they're going to add four trillion dollars. I mean, I, this is mind blowing. It just numbs the mm-hmm. mind to think of how much money we're actually talking here. Uh, we the first time we reached a trillion dollars in debt was back in, under Jimmy Carter, and now we're talking about being literally coming past thirty trillion dollars. So over our lifetimes, we have seen our debt skyrocket from one trillion, which is bad enough, to going into probably forty trillion before we die, maybe even more than that. Mm-hmm. And it's like. Apparently, there's no nobody worries about what this really means because there's no earthly way this debt's ever going to be paid off by anyone. You're going right. back to yeah. Blaine's point, then yes. what's the point? What's the point of taxation if you know you're never going to pay the money? Yeah, and right. and that's what he I mean when he was talking about that the taxation. Right. I was like, yeah, wait a minute. This is why I'm seeing comments by people online saying. Uh, stop paying taxes. Like my city yes. here in Hawaii, we've got a lot of grievances. Okay, stop paying taxes. Of course, nobody feels that they can stop paying taxes because they fear what will happen. But like he mentioned, you know, gosh, there was a movie called From Freedom to Fascism. Aaron Russo had directed him. Uh, rest in peace, uh, Aaron Russo. He read, he made Trading Spaces. But From Freedom to Fascism, people like Ron Paul were in it. All kinds of IRS experts were in it. And they were talking that they could not find the legality of how, you know, it was like it's to be questioned about yeah. how this came to happen. But again, people are starting to say, I'm not being represented. And we could have many examples of that. And yeah, uh, you know, I know I was first turned on to being concerned about this in college when my professor said, uh, you're probably not going to be getting your social security when it's your time. And it's like, we were all freaking out and we were all for big government then. And now it's like, here it is. Now what's going to happen? Oh, that's a great point. It's like um, right now, if we're talking about real terms, this whole debt ceiling, even if they think about this for a second, even if Joe Biden got every single tax that he wanted in this new budget, which is part of the discussion right now, as with time at the time of taping this, they're still going through the quote unquote agreement, spending agreement mm-hmm. regarding the deficit spending that they'll do. Even if Biden got every single tax he wanted, none of that would go to retire the debt or or walk it down. It's new spending. They want to ex- mm-hmm. continue to expand right. the federal Leviathan without regard to why or the authority. And that's why Blaine and I talked about this, Tanya, back to the point of where 
does 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 the federal government have any right to tell you what car to drive or incentivize you to what car to drive? Seriously, mm-hmm. where does it say the federal government can tell you what light you should have in your house mm-hmm. or why you should have it? There's nothing that gives them an authority, nor should they have authority like that. If the state of, of Hawaii wants to determine that based on their environment, ah, certain things need to be limited, then that's a state issue. That's not right. something the federal government should have any say in. Yet right. the federal government tries to insinuate itself into all these situations like homeless, like what you have in your in your uh, cupboard, all these things which really are not their dominion. Yet we, by allowing them this unfettered growth, this unfettered expansion of the budget, they just absorb the power. That's and meanwhile... The basics aren't met. Right. The basics are, we're still complaining and in need of the basics. In every state, mm-hmm. we all have that. And we have these issues with our state. We have it with our federal. We're not being, we're underrepresented. Um, and so, yeah, I think the state level is where it's at. That's where when you're passing certain laws, you know, you have more, con- you, the state is where we need to be looking at and focus. That's where I'm glad he brought up, you know, light up their switchboards, like call them, make it a mm-hmm. problem for them. Um, because otherwise we're just complaining to each other online. We're complaining and comments and, and on, on the show. And we're trying to really get people, you know, like Elizabeth says, like make that happen because why are we expending our time and resources to share this? If people aren't going, if we, that's including us, but every, you know, listeners, actually saying, you know what, I need to have a little bit more oomph in this and in the game, because it's more than just writing your comment isn't going to do a whole lot other than it's going to let other people know, hey, we got a lot of people fired up. But until they got people calling them and making a problem and showing up at their offices, then, uh, you know, saying we're not, you're not living up to what this is being to be a representative for me. Look at all of these issues. So yeah, he, he brought up a lot of great points. So mm-hmm. on that point, so speaking of states and, and consequences, so Chris lives in the ultimate nanny state of New York. So Chris, what did you, <laughs> oh, no. what did you make of uh, our commentary? It's awful here in New York. We, don't even, we could do seven whole shows on that one. What your commentary? What I would Sorry, like to see the government snort. approach, and, and New, York's, New York's full of this too, it's waste. Yeah. That's, that's another big one. The, the, the debt is, is horrible enough. The spending is horrible, but the wasteful spending makes it even worse. If you look at these bloated agencies and the fact that they've spent millions to contract out uh, these touchy-feely, politically correct uh, uh, HR campaigns or whatever, uh, having these seminars come in, these woke seminars come in to teach people what, how, to, how to address each other's pronouns, that's a lot of money. Colleges do the same thing. That's one of the reasons why tuitions are very expensive. You go back, and the, the, the bloated governments are also putting together agencies that are actually getting away or at least until very recently getting away with setting laws yeah. and setting precedents thank goodness uh, west virginia stood up to the epa at this point and the supreme court had to tell the rest of the rest of the nation no elected officials are the only ones that can set laws not an unelected body that by the way we're wasting money on it at this point. Okay, I understand the EPA can be good at times, but the fact is we're wasting money on no, efforts like no, this. No, they can't, Chris. All right. Look, I'm trying to be nice here, saying. but the fact is we're wasting money on these efforts. <laughs> All waste. Absolute waste. So that's that's part of the point, though, and that's where Blaine and I, I think, would circle back if he was here. The more you fund something that's useless, the more useless it's going to become, essentially. I mean, it, it, they feed on each other. So if you're feeding uh, the Leviathan all this money, it's just going to keep to grow. It's just going to keep growing. It's like you know a cancer. As long as long as you keep a blood supply going to that cancer, it's gonna it's gonna thrive. 
And I think that's where we have to recognize that not only have we allowed this cancer to thrive, now it's allied with another cancer, which is China, because so much of what the federal government does, what we do with trade, we benefit an or, you know, a country which really is out to dominate. And it's like, and let me be very clear for the audience. I am not a neocon. I was actually earlier today on with Judge Napolitano. And I talk about the facts like I'm not a neocon. I do not believe in the unfettered use of military force. But I do believe if you have a credible threat who's out to do damage to your way of life, you got to take notice. You can't be a pacifist. You can't pretend and wish that being nice to someone who's going to kick your butt, and they said they're going to kick your butt, somehow being nice to him is going to work. It's not going to work. So I think this is the point where we're at, because Tanya, where you live specifically, and I'll start with you on this, China's made it very clear that they plan on dominating at least the Pacific Rim. And that means uh, the likelihood your island out there is going to be one of those targeted eventually. Yeah, I'm, I I mean, I'm, I'm kind of uh, I'm thrown back on this because I, I watched some of the videos for research on this, uh, the, the Navy and the, the Chinese Navy and the power that they have. And, and I know that the United States uh, military, we have, you know, the best military in the world and all this, but uh, there are some issues. And, you know, we discussed uh, the EMP potential yeah. and all these potentials that China does have cybersecurity threat. We know of the spy balloons and all that, but there's way beyond that. I mean, the history is they, I mean, you know, we have like Chinatowns here. I don't know what's going on in the back doors and underground of these, uh, some of these Chinatowns. I have no idea what's existed there, what could be used now in some funny way, but there it's been obvious that there have been infiltrators. They have come here. There are spies. Um, it's not been a secret. They've spelled out, they've spelled this out. And like you said, I want to be nice. I mean, the sucker in me wants to be like, Oh, you know, but at the same time I can love and live with my neighbors and friends and coworkers and colleagues who are Chinese and from China, but I listen to them and they will tell you, they are the ones that will tell you. So, you know, we can't be, uh, yeah, we, we can't just ignore this threat. And I am concerned because they're making rapid movements, listening to about the, the Navy, the, these Navy experts, these people talking about what's going on. And that was months ago. Some of these videos I listened to, we're talking about threats from like nine months ago, this was recorded. What has escalated now? And like he, like, uh, General, uh, what Blaine said, he said that, um, you know, like what other time, what other better time? There's so much threats. We're so weakened. This is, I, I just agree with what you guys were saying. And that's scary about the timing, about how everything is escalating right now. Yeah. That's very concerning. Mm -hmm. So on a note regarding China, just a real quick one at the time of, uh, of our taping, uh, Fox News backed by White House lawyer fight subpoena and leak lawsuit. So basically... My friend, Catherine Herridge, you all know, I know Kath. Oh, yeah. Uh, she's being sued by this Chinese person who basically was investigated by the FBI because, you know, they were <laughs> apparently doing espionage. So, geez, okay, I guess if you get caught and you get, you know, reported on, they, they, they sue you. So basically, they're suing Catherine and wow. the Chinese are because, you know, they don't that's like being scary. exposed. Oh, it is, but, well, that's lawfare, scary. It is lawfare. So, it, look, the Chinese are, as, as Blaine said, they, it, total warfare. Any any means they can use against us, they're going to do. So back over to you, Elizabeth. Did you want to say something on that? Because I know that you've been following the lawfare issue or warfare issue. Um, so. I mean, nothing additional. I mean, I just agree with what Tanya was saying. I mean, it just it makes sense. Um, Actually, Tanya, wasn't it like just a week or two ago you knew so you knew someone in Hawaii who is dating a girl from China 
Oh, and yeah. I believe she had bought a whole lot of land and then she left the country, went back to China, but somehow or another, yes. it's still owned by her. Oh, or, yes. Oh, yeah. yes. The yeah. person that owns my home right now, sight unseen, is from is in China. Sight unseen, bought. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's scary because, you know, like uh, Blaine was referring to that book and I totally forgot what it was called now. Freedom. To Other know, people manage it that are here. Right. And, Other um, people, yeah. Right, right. That's just how um, it is. Step by, step by step, how China takes more and more control. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I I was thinking of another book, How to Find Desperate Singles by Fang Fang. I, that was the one I was That's thinking right. of. That's right. Swalwell wrote that. He, he wrote, no, he didn't write. Well, he wrote it, so to speak. Wrote wrote the book. No, he read the book. He didn't write it. He read, I mean, he, maybe he wrote it. He helped. He co-wrote the book. It, I mean, I yeah. So, well, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of General Zhao's chicken, just saying, you know, so they aren't, they aren't all bad. You know, I mean. Sweet and yeah, sour is good. That's right. General Sweet and sour is good, too. Generates General Sal may be chicken, but Colonel Schaefer is not. Oh, thank you, thank you. Very for that. good. Yeah, That's a we got to be smart about what the threat really is. You That's know, right. it's 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 right. it is serious, and that has nothing to do with xenophobia. It's being no. honest, and it's being it's it's acknowledging what they've actually said. It's like, okay, how right. is that being xenophobic? It's literally just what they're they've said, and it's what they're doing, and it's what we've found out, and it's what we're experiencing. So. Are we? Why are we so ridiculous that we can't even say, "Hey, I'm a little right. concerned about what's happening at the southern bo southern border"? Because it's not even just uh, mm -hmm. uh, Mexicans or whoever. It's like, no, there's also Chinese that are coming through here too. Right. Any any potential person that wants to do anything to us can just come right in the, the southern border. So mm -hmm. everyone who wants to, a piece of the United States is going to take advantage of that right now. Right. And there we go. And that leads us to what we want to find out. I don't think the Chinese want to find out, but that's what's going to happen. Or at least the Chinese Communist Party, I should say. Time for Tony's Takes. Oh, Tony's my. Takes. Is it that time already? That's wow. right. Brought to you by Sig Sauer. Never settle. Never settle. Never settle. That's right. Well, I said that. Segue, I was going to do a different one first, but we'll segue into, uh, after what Tanya said here, because while I pondered in the last, I don't know, many years, how all the illegal immigrants we had had turned into undocumented migrants. And then they sort of disappeared. Apparently, everybody that's crossed the border after Biden reopened them, reopened the southern border, everybody seems to be an asylum seeker. All these people mm. coming in from everywhere around the world must be asylum seekers. Now, I may be a bit stupid-like or something like that, but I remember that I remember that, that asylum seekers were coming in from oppressive governments where their lives and their families were threatened. I don't see... All these people coming in who are being housed in every luxury hotel nearby under the sun. All right, I might be exaggerating the point, but you know where I am here. I don't see all these as asylum seekers. So what, what's your take on all of this? So, uh, Chris, uh, I got to go right now. I'm going to go apply for asylum because I want all those free goodies that you get by <laughs> applying. Uh, you get a free hotel in New York. You get an Obama Biden phone. Uh, what else do you get? I mean, I want to apply. Man, it's like, where do I sign up for that? That's, a, that's an amazing deal. Uh, but that's the point, Chris. They've incentivized applying for asylum. There's, there's, it's like there's. You don't have to do much to justify being uh, threatened. Like you know, my neighbor spoke badly, and he actually yelled at me because my my dog took a dump on his yard. I want asylum. I mean, it's it's it's, it's where we're at, and I think it's it's that it's that bad. And the fact is, you're each one of us on this call, essentially, you're whether you want to or not, you're sponsoring at least a half a dozen illegal aliens by the fact that mm -hmm. what, while your taxpayer dollars don't mean much, 
they take your taxpayer dollars and use them for purposes of benefiting these folks. It's it's basic income mm-hmm. redistribution is all it is. So economic yeah. migrants, they are coming here. Yeah. We get that. But they are coming here under the guise of seeking asylum. This is a problem here. And the media is trying to manipulate a lot of America because we're not falling for it. Your listeners aren't falling for it. But apparently enough people are saying, oh, but they're just seeking asylum. We have to let them in. I'm for immigration to an extent. We need to have immigrants in here because that's part of the way the country grows. And they have, right. they sh- people should be coming in here legally. And immigration should be controlled to an extent here. This yeah. is not happening right now. And people are being manipulated to believe that we're saving everybody. And that's not not true. And we're allowing in potential dangerous people and potential Mm -hmm. spies. As you know, look what happened. uh, The CCP had its own police force around here. Who's to say that's still not operating? (laughs) They don't. They do. No, it's it's been acknowledged that it's far bigger than what they've reported. And it's in all the states. It's not just in these big ones. As a matter of fact, Chris, to that point. Ray uh, is basically acknowledged from some other comments he made in the media that they they probably know where about 50 of these things are, and yet they don't, they're not going to do anything about them. So, you know, wow. reasons. And, and, and it's a cover. It sounds like a it cover is. to what you're saying, Chris. I mean, they're just trying to make a blanket, uh, a phrase so that everyone, it just makes it, we have to allow this. No, we do not. And why don't you go talk to the people who live along the border and who have been victimized by, um, you know, their children, uh, rapists and robberies and all the threats. Like, why, they're not all asylum seekers. And you know what? We're going to be seeking asylum from all the threat that's coming in. I mean, look at mm-hmm. all the people along the border. I can't right. imagine or the sanctuary cities or wherever they're going to. It's like they're now seeking, okay, uh, that I don't think they're mm-hmm. feeling that vibe about the asylum seeker. Now we can, you know, give you sanctuary because even that term was like, oh, we're giving sanctuary city. Wait a minute. What's happening? What's happening is we have people. Okay. They're not aliens. They're not whatever. Okay. Let's give it the nice word. We are all humans, but they're humans who are crossing our border and infiltrating and they're not following a protocol that we really need followed. Right. Right. And, and, and our resources, we don't have the resources to, to no. take care of it all. And, and a lot those, of human trafficking, too. A lot of human trafficking going and, on. And, and, a, note on those, a note on the well, sanctuary cities, and I want your take on this one, too. Apparently, the sanctuary cities are now regretting such decisions. <laughs> Mayor yeah. Abrams, now, I, this is a de Blasio thing. Mayor Abrams is saying, well, we're a sanctuary city. We have to take care of things. But the whole mm-hmm. state should t- suffer our burden, should t- should should uh, take care of what we need to take care of. No, you wanted to be a sanctuary city. You're the mayor now. You could have you could have stood mm-hmm. in front of the microphone and said, I rescind making New York City a sanctuary city. Come here legally. That's fine. But no, you did not. You take the responsibility. Rockland County, Orange County, and Northern New York, they should not mm-hmm. be taking that responsibility, even it's not New York's not even a sanctuary state for that particular reason. Right. Well, to that point, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Mayor, what's his name? He's not, uh, I can't remember Abram. his name. now. No, no. For New York. Oh. Um, he's the former cop. Um, I think I called him Abrams. I think I got that. Wrong. No, you, yeah. He's <laughs> not Abrams. No, Stacey Abrams is not mayor. We'd know that. <laughs> no, it's, uh, um, it's, Abbott? it's, yeah. Uh, Adams. It's Eric Adams. Eric Adams. 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 Oh, that's it. Yes. You know, yeah. Is he related to Gomez by chance? I mean, I think they look different, but that doesn't mean. Oh, he looks like him. Yeah. Gomez had a sense of humor. Anyway. So, uh, any, any case, the issue regarding sanctuary cities, they all want to be sanctuary cities until they actually have to be a sanctuary city. It's all about virtue signaling. It's all it is. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And um, exactly. this is this circles back to the beginning of the interview with Blaine. Again, where does it give the federal government any authority to get in quote get involved with homeless issues or these issues? To me, 
the only job the federal government has, according to the Constitution, is protecting the border. That's it. It's not their job to, quote unquote, manage the process of bringing these folks into the country. And the idea that these states, I do agree with with Adams in a way, it's like he should not be forced to do it. But by the fact they have such liberal policies, if I can coin a phrase, regarding the benefits they give illegal aliens, if they didn't create those benefits, then they wouldn't have the magnetic draw that they do. Yeah. Right. They've incentivized illegal behavior so much. Uh, they decriminalize the behavior. That's why partially people want to come here is because they know there's going to be no downside to their breaking the law. They benefit from it. So. Well, there were plenty more, but unfortunately, we'll have to hold those over for the next program. Wow. It's, just, it's been an hour already. Where does yeah. the time go? And I literally mean that. It's like, where does the time go? Jeez. Wow. So, well, hey, it's been another great episode of The Hard Truth. This one has been spectacular with my friend Blaine Holt, with the regular team, Tanya, Elizabeth, and Chris. Uh, I hope you'll come back next week again. Uh, I, I'm sure we'll have another interesting guest with a, a number of really uh, thoughtful things, thought-provoking things to talk about. And again, before I go, I want to do a shout out to Cherie, Cherie Curry, who does our theme and bumper music. God bless you, Cherie. She's off on tour, I think, to Spain next soon. Did I just read something about her going to Spain? Oh, fine. That's right. Spain, Boston, she goes everywhere. That's right. So she's like uh, a, a, a true rock and roll star who actually travels yeah. to Spain. So anyway, so uh, thank you all for being here with us, and we'll see you again real soon on The Hard Truth. <laughs>